You are listening to the Canadian Immigration Podcast, Season 1, Episode 11. With Citizenship and Immigration Canada making it increasingly difficult to speak to an officer, there are a few places to turn for information that can be relied upon. The Canadian Immigration Podcast was created to fill this void by offering the latest information on Canadian law, policy, and practice. Please welcome ex-immigration officer and Canadian immigration lawyer, Mark Holthy. As he answers a wide variety of immigration questions and shares practical tips and guidance to help you along your way. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Canadian Immigration Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Holthy. In this 11th episode of our first season, I'm really excited about what we have uh, in store for you today. I've had the opportunity to interview Emma Gerzen of Higher Standard, and she's going to help me in providing a podcast focused exclusively on one of the most common questions I get from people who are looking to immigrate to Canada. And that question is, how can I obtain a job offer from a Canadian company? So why is that important, I guess, is the proper question to ask. Well, when applying to immigrate to Canada as a skilled worker, the most common process is express entry. And I've had lots of opportunity to discuss this Uh, within my podcasts, and I think many of my listeners are familiar with the program. But essentially, Express Entry was created as a way of fast-tracking the permanent residents of people to Canada. Within that process, candidates submit their um, profile into this pool amongst all of the other candidates, and then they're ranked against each other. The government determines a certain point threshold that the candidates need to meet, and anyone who's above that point threshold is extended an invitation to apply for permanent residence. Unlike in the previous years where companies had to, well, sorry, where individuals had to um, submit an application, and as long as they met the requirements of the permanent resident category, they could apply. But now that's not the case. Candidates are ranked amongst each other. Well, within that ranking process, and when the government uses this, well, it's called a, uh, this comprehensive ranking system. Within that process, special uh, privilege and special ranking is given to individuals that have Canadian job offers. And those job offers are supported by what is called a labor market impact assessment. So essentially, companies who can show that there's no Canadians to fill the position can then obtain this labor market impact assessment to have a foreign national fill it. Well, any foreign national who's been given a job offer supported by an LMIA, they're given 600 points at a total of 1,200 points that the, the, cover, that the government ranks all of these candidates under. And if uh, a person has one of those job offers, it virtually guarantees that they'll be given an invitation to apply for permanent residence. So it's extremely important. And uh, any foreign national that does obtain that invitation to apply it's essentially your golden ticket to Canada. So that basically results in me receiving this question of how can I obtain a job offer from a Canadian company so frequently? And um, the reality is I just don't do it. I don't match employees with employers. I practice exclusively in the area of immigration law, Canadian immigration. And because of that, 
I realized that, look, there's got to be something that I can do to help people who are trying to find a job and to, and to, to win the lottery, essentially, and get these magical job offers, which will, you know, for all intents and purposes, if it's a skilled position, guarantee permanent residence in Canada. So because I do not have that expertise, and I really, it's really hard for me to always respond to people who ask that question, I have decided... Uh, that versus me spending a lot of time trying to explain, I do the best thing, you know, that that's available and just bring in an expert in this field. And that is Emma. And uh, Emma is the co-owner of Higher Standard. Uh, Higher Standard is, and I can attest to this, Southern Alberta's premier executive staffing um, and recruitment firm. They also do background screening for companies. They specialize in criminal record checks and reference checks, employment, education, and credit or ID verification, along with all forms of temporary staffing and special project placement. And I can say all of these things um, unequivocally because I've used them myself. They're wonderful. I've worked with Emma and her team. They're extremely knowledgeable regarding all aspects of the hiring process. And in fact, like I said, I recently used them to fill an important position within our firm. And I can tell you that we were absolutely delighted with the result. Um, Angie is now with us because of Higher Standard. And, and if you call her office, you will probably get Angie talking to you as your first point of contact. So I've worked with Emma in the past as well obtaining labor market impacts uh, assessments for companies. So the company engaged her to source Canadians and she couldn't find any, her and her company. And so then after that, they had to turn um, outside of Canada to find the workers. And so in that process, uh, she managed the recruitment and the posting of the advertisements and the screening of candidates. And then once the candidate was identified, then our firm took over and handled all the immigration. And so I've had a lot of experience with working with her and her company. And uh, in this episode of, of the Canadian Immigration Podcast, Emma is going to share some insight into the hiring process in Canada. Uh, she's also going to offer some tips and strategies for foreign nationals who are looking to land that coveted LMIA-based job offer with a Canadian company. Um, you can't look at any other way than, than treating it as a golden ticket. Uh, to receiving that ITA and ultimately obtaining permanent residence in Canada. So that's how important it is. So let's jump into the M, uh, to the interview with Emma right now. I'm sure you are going to enjoy it. Welcome, everyone. I am delighted to have with me today my good friend and colleague, Emma Gerson. Emma is one of the co-founders of Higher Standard, uh, Southern Alberta's premier executive staffing and background screening firm. Welcome, Emma. It's great to have you with us. Thanks for having me here today. Awesome. Now, I think, Emma, we've probably known each other for at least eight years, maybe a little bit longer. And uh, uh, my first introduction to, to Emma was when I was transitioning to opening up my very first uh, immigration law office. And uh, I can tell you, she was absolutely invaluable to me on a number of fronts. She was my sounding board as I was experimenting with a whole bunch of different ways to set up my office and was actually very instrumental in one of my very first hires. So Emma, I'm very, very grateful to have you with us here. Oh, I'm, I'm really happy to be here, Mark. Thanks. Super. Well, 
the, our topic today is really revolving around an area that's completely outside of my comfort zone. Obviously, as a Canadian immigration lawyer, um, I do not do anything else other than Canadian immigration. But I do interact with many foreign nationals all over the world who are looking to immigrate to Canada. And as I've indicated uh, previously, the express entry process requires, uh, to a large extent, that if someone is immigrating to Canada and they want to have the best chance of success of doing so, they need to connect with a Canadian company and have a job offer extended to them. So one of the questions I get more than any other is how do I connect with a Canadian company? How do I get that magical um, golden ticket, if you will, to immigration, uh, to immigrating to Canada, this this job offer supported by a labor market impact assessment. And so because it's outside of my comfort zone, I have invited Emma to join us here uh, to share some insight on this, the process that Canadian companies go through in determining whether or not they want to extend a job offer to a foreign national. So let's jump right into this. And um, I guess before we, we get into to, uh, the, the real meat of our podcast, um, Emma, tell me a little bit about what you do and your company. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Uh, well, we're an executive staffing firm, background screening company, and in that it also encompasses temporary employment as well. And um, yeah, that's pretty much what we do. And you've been, how, how long have you been at this this uh, this whole area? I know Higher Standard has probably been around for around 10 years, I think, or so, but, uh, or so, but uh, before that, like, how did you get into this, this business? I've been doing this for 17 years and uh, different uh, parts and portions in this industry. So I've worked in, um, in doing absolutely everything in this business in terms of executive, temporary, background screening. And so I, I've had a lot of experience dealing with all of these different areas. So we've uh, changed how we do things. We've enhanced our, um, our processes. So, and things have changed a lot over the years. That's I, for sure. I can imagine. And that's one thing within this industry, you know, with just how things have evolved over the years, uh, how this business has operated now compared to at least this industry as to how how things uh, typically were uh, were run you know 18 years ago is 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 considerably different and so i'm really really happy to have you here um you know in, in we felt uh, m and i that the best way to do this was to create our top five list of, of things that foreign nationals can do to improve their chances of getting a job offer and so obviously my expertise in this area is limited to the uh, you know, to the to the times in which I've actually gone out and recruited people to to come join our firm, but to a large extent, this is what Emma does all the time. She spo- um, she her her company. They specialize a lot in um, in uh, in local um, staffing and placement and everything associated with the employment of uh, and uh, the uh, the hiring and sourcing of. of of local labor, but she and I have also had experiences working together, um, uh, bringing in foreign nationals where she handled the, the recruitment side for the company and we dealt with the immigration. And so that's the, the direction that we're going to go. We're going to share some of the insight that we obtained working together in bringing in foreign workers and also her expertise and her experience with the 
recruitment process when companies that she was recruiting for needed to, to look outside of Canada to find employees to fill important positions. So M and I have created this, uh, this top five list of things that you as a foreign national can do to improve your chances of getting a job offer. So should we tackle this, Emma? Yes, we should. Let's go. All right. Okay. So number one, look for the jobs in the right places. So the question I often get is, can you find me an employer who has a job offer, you know, that can extend a job offer to me? I get those emails all the time. And, um, I, you know, from my perspective, it's completely outside of my, uh, my realm of expertise. So Emma, if someone was to contact you and your firm and ask you, how do I, you know, what are the best places to, to, to go to find an employer who's willing to give me, you know, a job offer, where would you send them? What would you tell them? Well, I would say the best way to uh, find that those job offers that would have an LMIA would be through friends and family. Ah, friends and family. Well, isn't that what you tell your Canadian, uh, your Canadian individuals who are looking for jobs? Yes, everything that applies to the Canadian also applies to the foreign national mark. That's a good point. And I think probably to a large extent, um, everything that we explain here within our top five list would probably apply directly to a Canadian who was trying to find a job in just the same fashion, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Sure would. Awesome. So friends and family, best source. So what do you mean by that? Contact your friends and contact your families to find out if they have an employer that they can work, um, that they can refer you to, maybe somebody they work with, somebody they know, and oh. start there. So people that, that are living abroad may have family and friends that are here in Canada that are working with companies that are looking to find people. That's right. Huh. Interesting. I know the best jobs that I've, I've obtained uh, you know, in my career have often come through referrals from people that know me. Yes, it works exactly the same way. So that's something to understand in Canada, isn't it? Yes, it uh, is. The way we do things in Canada often tends to be through relationships. And, and uh, when someone you know in Canada is already working with an employer, they're going to be far more likely to trust the advice of someone that's currently working for them and um, uh, as to who they should hire and that, their recommendations. That's right, because most people wouldn't refer somebody that isn't any good. Right. So that's why employers also like referrals. Huh. And there's a lot of unknown for a Canadian company who is considering hiring a foreign national from abroad. Less unknowns if they're referred to them by somebody they know. Yeah. So trust is an important component. Right. I think we're going to get to that a little bit later on. Yes. But okay, so friends and family is source number one. Where else? Where else can people well, go? Well, online websites. Um, do you want me to list them, Mark? Yeah, please okay. do. Job Bank. And uh, when you go to Job Bank, there's job match registration, as you would call them, eHarmony. Yes. So, so basically, those of you who are looking to apply for permanent residence in Canada are likely going to have to go through the express entry process. And in order to, to uh, really increase your chances, um, you're going to really want to try to find a job offer from a Canadian company. But as a part of that express entry process, the government, if you do not have a job offer, forces you, well, I shouldn't say force, but part of that process requires that you register on the job bank. And the, the government has set up this job matching registration system where companies who post jobs are given... Um, Periodically, they're given reports of candidates who have their 
registration in the system that that match the job that's being offered. And I call it eHarmony because it's to a large extent, it's, it's kind of like a dating site for employers and, and employees. Now, um, we've gone down this road a little bit, Emma, and we have posted uh, advertisements within the job bank for companies. And on occasion, we will get reports back that show there are some candidates that do match uh, at least in terms of the 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 standards that the the you know that the job bank uses to match people, we get these reports and they're very generic, and they might have a couple stars by the person's name as to whether or not they're a good candidate. Um, I can tell you, Emma, from our experience and especially within our office here, that uh, I have not heard of a single person. Well, maybe one or two that have actually been linked with a company through the job bank, through this job matching process. So I don't want anyone to be discouraged. You still have to do this, and it still does put you before companies who are actively looking for um, potentially foreign nationals even. But uh, that is obviously one part of the process that you have to fulfill. So job bank is one. Okay, what else, Emma? Monster, Workopolis, Kijiji, .ca mm-hmm. and indeed and then of course then there's industry associations appropriate to your credentials okay. that you can search in Canada. So so tell me a little bit about Monster and Workopolis. What what are these sites? Well, these sites um, most folks across Canada use these sites in uh, there's a western and an eastern and central and um, they also can do some matching as well. Uh, if you put your resume in with them, it'll match you to positions oh, okay. as well. Bo- they both do that as well. Oh, well, that's great. Okay, so that's a uh, that's a real essential tip. So make note of that. A lot of these online um, uh, job uh, job sites, uh, such as uh, Monster and Workopolis, that are national in scope, will often have a component where you can actually register your profile. Okay, so you'll want to do that for sure. And I'm assuming they just go to the website to do yes. that? Okay. Yes. Okay. What about this Kijiji? What an interesting name. What, what's the difference between Kijiji uh, as compared to Monster and Workopolis? Well, Monster and Workopolis is uh, the hybrid, I guess for a better word, of um, a recruiting site. Kijiji is self-managed with the employer and they have to sort of manage resumes and search through the applicants and do their own, where Monster offers more, they offer services both to the applicant and the employer. Oh, I see. Where Kijiji doesn't, but Kijiji also is a free site. So okay. it's popular because of that reason. So Kijiji is more of a do-it-yourself, uh, do-it-yourself source, and it tends to be more um, local. In other words, uh, Kijiji, when you post an ad, at least from our experience, it hasn't been then. You haven't been able to then make it visible across the country. Is my understanding? I believe that when you post on Kijiji, it tends to be localized to a particular city. Yes. So, so companies that post on there. Um, are often trying to target more localized people versus Monster and Workopolis that have a reach across Canada. Right, that's correct. Okay, and then I know from our experience, I'm not sure how much you guys have worked with Indeed, but Indeed kind of seems to fit in between those two. Well, Indeed is a search engine that will pick up off of all of these sites. Um, We did start using it ourselves, but then we quit because we, we had so much problem with uh, our site with but that doesn't you know it's still a really good source yeah, yeah. and it it really does pick up off of all of these other places job bank included yeah and it's interesting because when companies uh, and those hr managers that are listening to this podcast um uh, will probably have a uh, podcast directed specifically to you 
um, in the, the coming months. But right now, when you are posting and trying to meet the minimum requirements of Service Canada in terms of how you're advertising for your labor market impact assessments, um, it's often difficult to find sites that the government actually accepts. And so uh, Indeed has been one traditionally that they have accepted, notwithstanding the fact that you know Emma has outlined very clearly there are problems with it in terms of its interface and how you use it. But it is a site that uh, the government has been willing to accept as a, an acceptable place to, to post your advertisements. So that's somewhere that uh, you know if foreign workers, if foreign nationals um, are looking for, for locations, Indeed could be one as well as the other ones that have already been mentioned. Okay, the last one, uh, industry associations. So what do you mean by that, Emma? Well, if you have an accounting designation, an engineering designation, so if you have an educational designation, you can search Canada for appropriate associations where they might be posting specific positions to your credentials. You bet. Perfect. That's that's a great tip. So if you're an engineer and you're uh, coming to Alberta, um, you'll want to search, you know, APEGA, the Association of Professional Engineers and Geologists, that association that relates specifically to your, uh, your credentials and the, the, the types of jobs that you're looking for. So that's a little bit more focused. Perfect. Okay, so number one of our top five lists was looking for jobs in the right places. And so we've given you that breakdown of some of the really good locations, really good locations that you can pursue um, to, to try to find that job. So let's say now we're transitioning a little bit and now we're going to number two, which for our purposes is probably as important as, as number one. You can look for the job, you can find it, and, uh, and that's all fine and dandy. But ultimately, one of the single most important things that Canadian companies are looking for, and Emma, you can correct me about this, um, it's an ability to communicate in English. Why, Absolutely, Mark. Why is that so important? Well, there's, there's a number of reasons. Well, the biggest one would be probably safety to both themselves and the other folks that they're working with. Can you give me an example of that? So safety, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, in one particular circumstance that we worked with, we had a feedlot and the individual's English wasn't very good and they're supposed to administer medications to the animals. Oh. And how do you do that if you don't understand Yeah, English if you can't read well? the labels, right. right? That's correct. Huh. Well, that makes sense because, you know, obviously if you can't speak English and those essential components to the job, you, you're just not going to be able to perform unless you can speak English. And, you know, those are real functional aspects. I can think also if someone is working in a, a large manufacturing facility and, and have to be able to read safety manuals for operating equipment and even warning signs you know, all around that are posted all around the, the manufacturing facility. If you can't read English, then you're a safety hazard to not only yourself, but those around you. Um, so for sure, that functional aspect of, 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 you know, of being able to communicate in English. But what about just landing that job? Why is English so important? Well, if you're working with English speaking folks and they can't understand you, how do you land the job? That's a pretty important factor. And do people judge you know, uh, someone's, uh, you know, maybe technical or professional abilities. Do, do companies have a tendency to judge people on their ability to speak English and interpret that or, or equate that with their, um, well, just their fit for the job? Absolutely. We, uh, it was a while ago now, but we had an um, individual that had his permanent residency and uh, he got shortlisted for the position 
and they really, really liked him. And he'd been in the country now for probably eight years, but because he wasn't speaking English at home to improve it, um, they were really concerned that uh, although they really liked him and it really they really struggled with not hiring him, in the end they didn't because they felt that their clients would struggle understanding him. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know what, that is a really important factor. And some people, you know, think, well, gee, that's not very fair. You're judging me on my English. Well, I come from a different country and maybe I'm awesome at, at doing this job. Maybe I've got all of the technical and skill sets that are required. Maybe I, I can't speak English perfectly right now, but, you know, uh, you know, I have the, you know, if you hire me, I have the opportunity to improve my English. And, um, you know, it's interesting. And, and when I think about that in the context of immigration, if you look very clearly at the express entry process, one of the most important components that will get you points to be drawn um, and, and actually given an invitation to apply, one of the most important critical aspects is English. And so right off the bat, if, you, if your English skills are weak, you're going to be far behind other candidates um, who, who do have good English skills. But you know what, Emma? That that principle doesn't apply to just foreign nationals, does it? No, it does not. So can you expand on that? What if you have a Canadian who... Well, in this case, like I had just mentioned, we had a permanent resident that was going to go for his citizenship, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was a permanent resident, so there was no risk of him leaving the country anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But his English wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And um, you can't land the job if your ing- English isn't good, whether you're a foreign national or you're a Canadian. Right. And, and that English, you know, for Canadians, obviously, we expect most people are going to be able to communicate in English pretty well. They may be able to communicate verbally, but writing is almost as important as, as the speaking component. And I can speak from our own recent recruitment uh, that we undertook to, uh, uh, to hire someone to assist uh, within our administrative, um, uh, just to assist with some administrative aspects of our firm um, to fill an admin role. We looked very carefully at the written quality of the resumes and things like that, that we, you know, at least I should say I didn't look at it closely. We hired Emma and and hired Standard to assist us with that recruitment campaign. But I know for a fact that was an important factor in disqualifying Canadians from the job, wasn't it, Emma? Oh, for sure. When you have a receptionist that can't speak English, what does that do to the English-speaking folks that are calling your office? Yeah. They tend to then judge the firm. Right. based on that first point of contact. And it's not just the spoken word, but it's email communication. And so if we have Canadians who uh, the, their command of the English language in written form is is really not that great, their grammar is, is poor, that's a reflection on our office. And so, you know, when you think about that in the context of our third, our third tip um, and, and within the top five list, which is, having a good resume, being able to communicate um, in written form is really important, isn't it, Emma? Yes, it sure is, Mark. So why is a good resume, which once again, this is our third, uh, number three on our, our, our top five list of things a foreign national can do to improve their chances of getting a job offer. Why is a good resume so important? Because that is your chance to showcase yourself to the employer. That's exactly correct. Yes, that's that. Speaking as an employer, if someone is presenting a, a pretty shoddy resume, then I know right away that that's maybe 
you know, not someone that I'm going to give a lot of attention to. And more often than not, the resume may just get filed away in the, uh, in the garbage file folder. So maybe you can just take a few, uh, a few minutes to describe what a good resume looks like. Well, a good resume, Mark, is no more than two pages. Hmm. Um, you don't want to get too long and windy. You, you want to showcase um, your relevant experience and education to the position itself, show some stable work history, and be gr- grammatically correct and demonstrate good English on your resume. So why do you want to keep it under two pages? If you think about it, if someone has a lot to tell and they really you know, want to highlight all of the wonderful job experience they have, why, why keep it to just two pages? Because it gets too long to read. When they're going through all of the resumes, when they see five, six, seven pages, they will just bypass you because right. there's too many people to go through. To um, They like folks that don't take a lot of their time that just can get to the point. Yeah. So if you think about it, the people that are looking at these, they're not just looking at yours as a foreign national. They're looking at many, many resumes. And, and for us, Emma, I'm not sure if you remember how many people actually applied for our job, uh, the one that we had posted, but I think there was quite a few. <laughs> well, I'm sure it was over 100, and it could have been up around 200. Yeah, I think that's exactly what the case was. So if you're the person sifting through 200 resumes, and you get resumes that are five and six pages long, you just don't have time to, you know, to sift through all that. It has to be quick and to the point. And now you've also mentioned that, you know, outlining your education and experience, uh, that that's important, but experience that's relevant to the position. So yes. what do you mean by that? Well, if you've worked in an industry for the last 10 years that isn't relevant to the position you're applying for, don't bother. Yeah. And I guess one of the aspects that we deal with quite frequently, at least within our office, is trying to match up that foreign experience to the position that a person wants to, f- to fill now. And one of the challenges is when titles match, but job descriptions don't. And so the most important thing for you is to highlight not just the title of the position that you had, but, uh, and I'm assuming, Emma, that it's important to really highlight exactly the experience you know, the duties that you've performed and, and to emphasize, uh, you know, obviously within reason because you've only got a two-page limit here, but the ones that would be a perfect fit for the position that's being offered. Right. So you read the you read the ad that the employer's looking for and then you put on your resume the relevant experience that matches with the ad. So if, if the employer has six um, particular points that he's looking for, and you have five, you certainly want to put those on your resume. Yeah, first, right, right front and center. Right. right. Absolutely. Um, you, you also mentioned something I found interesting. You, in, you indicated uh, that it's important to have stable work history. What do you mean by that? Well, that applies to foreign nationals and for Canadians. Most employers wa- do not want employees that are going to job hop. So they want somebody that will come in, they can train, they can invest in them, and that they will stay with them. That's interesting. So that's one of the positive aspects that companies experience when they hire foreign nationals. There tends to be somewhat of a trend of job hopping within, uh, within our Canadian population. 
we uh, and I can speak from my own experience and the number of configurations of law firms and and different opportunities that I've prefer, uh, per, you know that I've pursued in my in my career. But I think there's a tendency, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, Emma. But we have a tendency as Canadians to somehow um, always be looking on the other side of the fence and looking for other opportunities that might be just a little bit better, versus at least at least today, versus say in the the time period of of my parents, for example, where you tended to work in one job and maybe push the envelope to two, but generally speaking, one job for almost the balance of your life. That's changed quite a bit, hasn't it? Well, it's almost unheard of today. Yeah. And uh, employers really, that's one of the um, points that really is in the favor of the foreign national is because they like the idea of the stability of having a foreign national on their team. Yeah. And that's, you know, I can I, I know from my experience working with companies who are, who are obtaining work permits for foreign nationals, that is one of the things that I hear repeatedly over and over and over again, that um, sure, they maybe a company has to pay a little bit more in terms of recruitment and the, the various hoops the government asks companies to go through before they can actually retain a foreign national. But that's one of the huge factors that they almost always discuss is just knowing that each day they're going to have someone that they can count on that's reliable that uh, you know that 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 they're going to be able to um, uh, put their their effort into training, and they know that they're going to be around for you know at least the balance of the work permit. So that's a, a super super important factor. And then I, I noticed as well that you highlighted once again, Emma, the the fact that uh, a resume really needs to be written properly. Any resume, whether it's coming from a Canadian or a foreign national, that has uh, grammatical errors in it, misspelled words. Uh, it's just not written in, in very good English. That can be a real killer when it comes to uh, applying for a job. You won't even get through the front door. And for foreign nationals who maybe are struggling a little bit with their command of the English language, you know, one suggestion is to actually get some assistance when you're producing your resume. You know your skills, you know your experience. And you want to, you know, be able to put those front and center, but you don't want to get grammatical errors uh, to to come in and and uh, and um, and take uh, or distract the the reader's attention away from from what's really the good value that you can offer for a company. So does that make sense, Emma? I think that's pretty total. standard. Yeah, total sense, Mark. You bet. All right. So we've covered three. Um, of our top five list. The first one was looking for jobs in the right places. Uh, the second was an ability to communicate in English. The third was uh, making sure that you have a good resume. And I think, Emma, you have, uh, just for our listeners, um, one thing that uh, you have offered is to provide a sample of a great Canadian resume. So we'll include a link to that within the show notes and we'll make that available to our listeners to the podcast. But to Emma and Higher Standard, they have provided us with um, uh, a sample that you can use as a template for how to structure your resumes to to make you a little bit more attracted or attract uh, attractive to Canadian companies. Good. All right. Thank you for doing that, Emma. All right, let's shift now to number four. And this is something, once again, that applies every bit as much to Canadians as it does to foreign nationals. But you need to understand how Canadians think. And this fourth um, on our top, ten, our top five list is honesty and integrity. And you would think that that's just a no-brainer. You don't even have to think about that. 
But in the context of, of um, a hiring campaign, Emma, why, you know, how does this come into play? Well, you need to be honest with the employer if you're having any issues regarding uh, a setup of the interview or any of those issues. You need to be honest about it because that's the expectation of the employer. And that your honesty won't X you out of a recruitment, but your dishonesty and lack of integrity will. Yeah. So I think, you know, when you think about it, many people are looking to apply for jobs in Canada. So right off the bat, if you're putting something in your resume, it needs to be accurate, true, and supportable. And this, you know, it's, I almost hesitate to even bring it up, but the reality is if you're listing on your resume experience with a company that never existed or that you're embellishing your actual role with the company in order to appear more attractive, that it's not going to help you in the long run. And uh, obviously that whole concept of, of honesty and integrity is integral to the whole hiring process. And Emma, if a company has any reason to, to doubt the trustworthiness or the integrity of a candidate, are they going to look at how awesome their qualifications are? No, they'll move on. It, w- it wouldn't matter if you had the best qualifications of everybody in the pack. They'll move on. Mm-hmm. And I know that some of our listeners uh, overseas um, may have had problems with Canadian immigration in the past. So they may have applied for a temporary resident visa or even applied for uh, permanent residence and, um, and been rejected. And, you know, it's interesting when you're going through this process to bring in a foreign national, that information is really important. You need to understand the history. And so sometimes foreign nationals are afraid to say anything because they're afraid to be excluded from that process. Well, what would your advice be to someone who's faced with that kind of an issue? Well, my advice would be to come forward with it right away before you get partway into the recruitment because if if you're in the middle of the recruitment and come forward... It's all over. But if you come forward with it right away, disclose what the issue might be, I don't think there'll be a problem. Yeah. And that's one tip that I definitely want to give to our listeners. Um, You don't need to be afraid if there's a potential issue that you have to face. Companies can deal with issues if they really like you as a fit for their company. So in other words, if you have the necessary experience, the education, your qualifications all match, but maybe you have had a TRV that's been refused, a visitor visa to Canada. Well, if you come forward with that up front, then I can tell you that in based on my discussions with Emma as well, and you can, con- can concur with me or, or disagree, Emma, but generally speaking, if a company likes you and they feel you're honest and, and you're, you're forthright about the challenges you're going through, um, they are going to have a far greater desire to stick with you than, like you said, if it comes up later on in the, the process. Everybody wants to work with other people that they can trust and feel that they have integrity. And so when you display this up front, you already bind the trust between you and that employer. Hmm. You know, that's really interesting, Emma, because as we talk about this, I remember I remember the guy from Costa Rica. Yes. <clears throat> So we were contacted by Emma, who had been engaged to try and source uh, a foreign national, well, uh, really source a, a position here locally, and they had trouble finding someone qualified here. And I think it was a, a dairy herds person, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes. And so they had gone through the process of trying to f- source a local Canadian candidate and were unsuccessful, so then expanded the search. And there was a 
on the surface what appeared to be a really good qualified candidate. And and I think they did match the requirements. They had the experience and they had the, the, um, the education to really fill the role. But there was an issue that came up, wasn't there, Emma? Yes, yeah, so he had been in Canada before working in a similar role for some time. Um, his references were really good, a wonderful fellow, but somewhere along the line it fell apart. He wasn't honest. He didn't disclose a few things. I believe you found some things out, Yes, Mark. that's right. And so basically what happened was Emma had done her side of, of, of the... Uh, you know, of the recruitment and, and dealt with things from an employment standpoint and the hiring, uh, from a hiring standpoint. And as we started to prepare the, the, the work permit applications, and this was after the labor market impact assessment had been approved for the company. So they were fully engaged and fully prepared to bring this person on. But as we went through the process and often, you know, I will put on my immigration officer hat when I'm uh, preparing work permit documentations for clients so that I can anticipate any issues that an officer might anticipate. And I noticed that there were some inconsistencies in what he was saying. And uh, so as I started to dig a little bit deeper, his answers were evasive. And ultimately, he had had a prior visa refusal, but didn't disclose it and wasn't really interested and didn't want to. And so because of that, you know, and, and when I shared this information with Higher Standard and the employer, what, what was the result, Emma? We walked away. Yeah. And this was an individual that had gone to the trouble of getting connected with a Canadian company. The labor market impact assessment had been approved. They were just applying for the work permit, but all because they were not honest and forthright, it caused the company, it, it really undermined the, the, the trust and, and, uh, and confidence that the company had it, that this was a good hire for them. Now, Emma, what would have happened if this individual had been completely forthright and honest right from the beginning? Well, my guess is that they would have hired him and he'd be in Canada today, probably a permanent resident. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, let's shift to our last one. And this one is maybe a little bit further down in the process, but it's really critical to help you seal the deal. So number five, you must present well in your interview. Now, for most people that are overseas looking to, to be hired in Canada, um, it, all, it often involves a Skype interview. And uh, Emma, can you give us kind of an idea of what you mean by presenting well and what some of the positive things that people can do and some of the negative, we'll say, things <laughs> okay. are, are, are just really things that sabotage their, their efforts to get the position. Can you share some thoughts on that with sure. us? Well, make sure that you have really good connectivity and uh, test so it before. So that's the internet, right? Your yes. internet connection needs, needs to have a good bandwidth. Right. Mm -hmm. And before you even start applying to positions, I would suggest that you have that sorted out because um, if the employer likes you, that interview might happen quite quickly. So it's best to have that sorted out right out front. So what happens? Have you had any experiences, Emma, where that internet connectivity and uh, that feed, at least through Skype, really disrupted your ability to, to seriously consider the candidate? Well, I had a fellow from a, a foreign national that I was trying to connect with through Skype, and uh, we kept setting up 
well, he was quite evasive, I guess, would be probably the better word about when we could set up the interview. In the end, after some time and lots of communication, he didn't have a connection. And I I really would have preferred that he was up front about it to begin with. So um, we severed that moving forward with him at that time. And uh, then we did consider him again a second time when he said, I do now have connection. I see you have another position. And uh, same sort of issues when we, you know, came at it the second time, couldn't um, set up an interview within a timely manner. My guess is still having issues, but didn't want to disclose, which goes back to honesty and integrity again. Mm, That's interesting. So, So in this case, this candidate through his resume and, and, you know, telephone calls or whatever, however you had communicated with him, he had presented himself well enough to be seriously considered by the company. But it was because he couldn't get his act together good enough to actually find a place where he could have good internet connectivity to hold the call. That was really the difference in him being able to advance to the next stage of the recruitment process. Right. And now that he's done it twice, we wouldn't consider him probably again. Yeah. He's kind of burned that bridge. Right. Okay. So good communication skills um, in English Mm -hmm. and uh, do your research. And this is required of anybody in Canada or outside of Canada. Know about the company. Who are they? What do they do? Um, What is their, what is, Kind of, their, impo- kind of their claim to fame, yes. you know, what's the thing that causes them to stand out, right? right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the negative things is, uh, well, dress appropriately. Don't uh, have a t-shirt saying, I love cannabis on it. <laughs> I guess that's a good point because people usually just assume that, well, you know, no one's going to really see me because this is just a Skype call. It's not one in person. So how does dress, like how does that portray or come across through Skype? Well, it comes across... In your voice also, on if you're happy today, mm-hmm. which I can hear that you are, <laughs> if I didn't see you, I would know that about I, you. I'm, I'm always happy when <laughs> I have someone else to, to come on the podcast with me so my listeners don't have to hear me drone on in a monologue the, the whole 30-minute uh, process. So, so basically, with a Skype call, it's video. So sometimes you will have a video call. And if you have a person there, like you and... Uh, identified very clearly in a t-shirt even, you know, let alone what it says on the front. You know, obviously, I love cannabis is probably not the best thing to have on your shirt if you're applying for a professional position or any position, really. Um, You know, do you have any other tips in terms of dress? dress? Well, women don't show cleavage. Mm. You know, be really uh, modest and professional in your dress. Yes. Male and female. Yep. Awesome. So, people... Do not assume that just because you're thousands of, mile, thousands of miles away over the ocean, uh, when you're on these calls, how you present yourself is going to be just as important as your qualifications, your education, and how well you meet the you know the requirements of the job. Excellent. Well, this has been super, Emma. We've had a chance to discuss a little bit about the hiring process in Canada, uh, to some extent the psyche of a Canadian employer and how they uh, view the hiring process, the things that they like, the things that they don't like. Um, Just to recap, our our top five list of things a foreign national can do to improve their chances of getting that magical job offer. One, look for jobs in the right places. Two, have an ability to communicate in English. Three, make sure you have a good resume. Four, be honest 
and show integrity throughout the whole process. And five, present well in the interview setting. Well, thanks so much, Emma. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to join us today on the podcast. It was wonderful. And I, I hope that we'll be able to invite you back uh, in the future to approach this from the standpoint of Canadian companies who now are faced with the reality that they're going to have to find foreign nationals from abroad because Canadians are not uh, qualified, available, um, and, uh, and willing to, 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 to fill positions. So thanks, Emma, once again. And just, uh, just before we leave, if people, want, if people want to reach out to you for more information, um, how can our listeners find you? They can go to um, hiringforyou.com okay. and go to our website and um, they can get any uh, tips or see what the employers are looking for. Our positions are listed there. If they're looking to apply and have the qualifications, we invite them to do so. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Emma. All right. Thanks this for is inviting me. Excellent. We, we appreciate that. All right, well, this concludes uh, the Canadian Immigration Podcast, Season 1, Episode 11. Um, I'm your host, Mark Holthy, and uh, until next time, wishing you all the best. Uh, Take care. Thank you for listening to the Canadian Immigration Podcast, your trusted source for information on Canadian law, policy, and practice. If you would like to contribute a question for future podcasts or wish to set up a legal consultation with Mark, please visit www.ht-llp.com. country